0: Welcome to another episode of Be Here Now. I am your host, Bridget Mitchell. Today's episode is in collaboration with Alessandra Capasso, the host of Mind Body Balanced. Allie is a master level therapist and she talks all about mental health and eating disorders on her podcast, which you can find on Spotify and Anchor. We recorded an episode for her podcast where she interviewed me about my eating disorder and recovery. So I highly encourage you to check that out. And I will leave the link in the description of this episode. But in today's episode, I get the therapist scoop on eating disorders and recovery. Allie shares her personal journey with eating disorders and how she turned it into a career she absolutely loves. If you feel you may be triggered by the topics discussed in this episode, please be mindful and set a healthy boundary for yourself. And I will see you in another episode. This is Be Here Now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Be Here Now. I am here today with a very special guest. Um, This is someone that I look up to, someone that I can relate to, and someone that is just making moves in a community that I uh, am am a part of. And would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Um, So I'm Alessandra Capasso, but most people know me as Allie. Um, I am a master's level intern therapist. Um, I specialize in a range of things, including eating disorders, addictions, codependency, um, anxiety, depression, and other mood disorders. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm currently finishing up my master's at Texas Women's University, and I live over here in the DFW area.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, so Allie and I know each other from, I think we went to the same middle school we together. Way back. I know <laughs> we do. We do. Um, I was in the same grade as her brother and then she's a year, she was a year older than me. But I remember, I think you went, did you go to Cobb or did you only go to Griffin? I went to
1: Griffin. Okay.
0: So I knew, I'm technically met you when I started going to Griffin yes. too. Um, and then you went to Frisco High. Yes. Okay. So yeah, we went to neighboring high schools, but, um, I knew her through like the soccer scene and just like, you know, being active. I think all the athletes kind of knew each other, but so that's how I know Allie, um, But tell us a little bit about like what led you to being a therapist and how like how you're here right now. Yeah. um,
1: So most therapists usually kind of go through something that leads them to want to be a therapist. Um, Usually they end up specializing in it. Um, So for me, I've just always been a people person. I've always connected with people and I love talking. Um, So I've always wanted to be in a helping profession and everything just kind of solidified for me when I was in high school. Um, I dealt with an eating disorder. Um, so I've been in recovery for the past 11 years now. Um, and I think just like my growth through that has really solidified like I want to help other people that are dealing with this as well. So that's kind of why I became a therapist is mm-hmm. I just gone through stuff and I've had a
0: passion for helping people. So I was like, why not just make it into my career? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, the eating disorder world. Um, I can I can relate because <laughs> I also have struggled with one. Um, do you, so are you comfortable opening up about that? All right. Let's, oh yeah, uh, totally. Let, let's hear, let's hear the story. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, I'll try to do like a sweet and short version. But um so basically when I was like in seventh grade, I started toying around with dieting. Um obviously our bodies are changing at that age. Um, I was kind of, I had like a very chaotic family life at home. I was very, very active. Um, as you know, like I played soccer, I ran cross country, I cheered, I played volleyball. Like I was just all over the place. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I did it. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I just started becoming really aware of my body in seventh grade. I've always had like a really consistent relationship with food leading up to that point. Um, Ate dessert every single night, mm-hmm. huge sweet tooth. Sometimes I would be like shamed for that by my family, just kind of like, you can't eat dessert all the time. And I'd be like, Yes, no, I can. I love chocolate. <laughs> yeah. So um, so yeah, so I just started dieting in seventh grade. Um I I even like touched back um on a podcast I recorded as kind of like this this moment where it just all really snowballed. I was going to a seventh grade Halloween party. And my friend and I were wearing like just like tighter and like a little bit like shorter costumes. I think I was like a slutty, sorry, language, <laughs> slutty la- ladybug or something. I don't know. Classic. And so <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. And so I just remember my friend was like, let's just not eat the whole day. And we we're like, yeah. And so mm. we didn't eat all day. We went to the Halloween party, looked snatched. <laughs> the boys were loving us <laughs> and obviously you get that validation mm-hmm. and it's like not eating for one day isn't going to drastically change your body but in my mind as a seventh grader mm-hmm. I was like I'm just gonna like lose like x amount of pounds from doing this so we were like sitting around like after the Halloween party and we were making sandwiches and my mom came in and asked us how it was she was like, why are you guys eating so late like did you not eat at the party and we're like we didn't eat all day and my mom was just like shocked by that Um, she's never dealt with an eating disorder or anything, but she, and she's modeled a really great relationship with food throughout my life. So that's just kind of when it all started. And for me, things got bad very, very quickly. So over the course of a year, I lost a lot of weight and I was already thin to begin with you know I was an athlete I was muscular I was very very active so um, I lost a lot of weight and a lot of people started noticing Um, my parents were like okay like what's going on like you your clothes don't fit anymore Mm -hmm. you never want to eat dinner with us and I kind of opened up about it and was like yeah this is what I'm struggling with and so they immediately being the best supportive parents in the world um, got me help so I started going to like outpatient therapy, but at that point I was just in such a bad place that I was just declining Mm -hmm. very rapidly to the point where like my mom was coming in my room to like check if I was still breathing. Mm. Um, so after like setting up doctor's appointments and stuff, I went to like a cardiologist one day, um, because I was reporting a lot of like pain in my chest and my heart was skipping beats and stuff. So we went to the cardiologist, I thought it was just going to be like a regular checkup and she was going to be like, Oh yeah, like your heart's fine, but like you need to be eating. And my heart rate was in the thirties while I was awake. Mm. (laughs) Um, and my valves were leaking. I don't know the medical term for it, but, um, it's really common, uh, people that are struggling with like anorexia and malnutrition. So they immediately admitted me into the cardiothoracic, um, ICU So I was in the ICU for 10 days, I believe, um, being monitored. And then immediately after I was going to go to treatment. So it happened really quick. I was 14 at the time. So I was, it was February of my eighth grade year. So like I was going to be done with eighth grade going off to high school very shortly. Um, so I was in treatment and, it was really hard. I didn't really think I belonged there, and you were I, doing inpatient. Yes, okay. I was in an inpatient treatment center. I was at Children's Medical Center in their eating disorder unit. They are amazing. So, if anyone needs to go there, go there. They're <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, so I just didn't want to be there. I was super unmotivated. I even like tried to elope multiple times. Oh my gosh! Um, I was in a wheelchair for a little bit because. They didn't want me like burning excess calories. Mm. I was uh, like on bed rest most of the time. I had a tube because I was refusing food for a while. So I was just in a really dark, heavy place. Um, And so luckily I was in there for a little bit. And I think I got out in April and continued outpatient therapy and like IOP there until that August. So I was in treatment like for a while, like Mm -hmm. intense treatment. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of my background in terms of like the treatment aspect of it. Um, luckily I got the help I needed at a really young age and I'm super, super grateful for like access to healthcare and Mm -hmm. access to a facility like that because it's not cheap. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I went through high school, definitely struggled, definitely relapsed a couple times, but never got to the point where I needed to go back to treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, it was threatened a few times, but um, I was kind of just like holding my head above water and yeah. just like going through the motions, you know, sticking to my meal plan. Obviously, I had gained the weight back and got back to a healthy weight after treatment. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of maintaining at that point. I wasn't really making a lot of progress in my recovery. Um, So then I went to college and everything changes obviously when you go off to college like you're on your own you're not being watched mm-hmm. um and so I struggled a little bit in college got pretty close going to treatment um but I was able to kind of like pick myself back up and um really that's like I think it was in 2016 yeah 2016 is when I like really got involved in my recovery and was like okay I don't want to keep doing this cycle of like mm-hmm. I'm good and then I'm bad and then I'm good and then I'm bad So, um, yeah, I just started working really, really hard as to understanding why I was participating in eating disorder behaviors Mm -hmm. um, and what, like, that gave me. Because obviously, you know, with anything that you're struggling with that's unhealthy, it does give you something. It does provide you, like, a comfort blanket or a safety, and it helps you cope with things. Mm -hmm. So um, just really understanding, like, why I was like that. And then that's when it solidified for me, like, I'm definitely going to be a therapist. So just kind of my background that's a, a little short version yeah. of my eating disorder but yeah
0: <laughs> I I do remember back in school so I do remember you so if you were in seventh grade I was in sixth grade and I remember when I was in seventh grade and you were in eighth grade so we were both I think at Griffin yes. at the time um, I, I remember people talking about it like oh my gosh where's Allie like have you seen Allie and i don't know why i remember that so vividly probably because that was around the time of the start of my eating disorder mm. and granted we have two different backgrounds with eating disorders but um yeah I just remember people talking about it and saying like, Oh, where is she? I think she's in the hospital and I was like the talk of the town you know because we're from a, we're from the Frisco bubble yes. And so if you are not familiar with the, with a city like that it's everyone knows everyone's business for the most part and you know if there's a kid on Xanax or if there's a kid who I don't know got in a car accident or something like everyone knows everyone's business yep. um, so how was that transition coming back to school when yeah. when you got out of outpatient or inpatient therapy
1: yeah it was super hard so like I said everything happened really really quickly um because I didn't expect to go inpatient so I remember I was texting a good friend and I was like oh my god my parents are like taking me to this appointment blah 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 and then I was like oh my god they're admitting me so that's just kind of how the fire started Mm -hmm. and so there were, like, rumors going around as to why. I think someone spread a rumor that I was, like, pregnant or I was, like, oh addicted God. to cocaine. I don't know. There was, like, <laughs> a bunch of rumors going around. Yeah. But then everyone started to realize, like, no, like she's in treatment. Like, she's been gone for a hot minute. Mm-hmm. So when I came back, I was terrified because, obviously, I looked different. Um, yeah. I was still, like, kind of in, like, the low range of my healthy weight range. But I had gained back um, – like a significant amount of weight. Yeah. And so, um, I was just terrified. Like people were going to judge me for like how I looked. Um, they were going to be like, Oh my God, you used to be so skinny and, (laughs) and now you look normal, but I don't Uh, know. And I just like was really afraid of the conversations Mm -hmm. that people were going to have. But luckily like everyone was pretty supportive. Um, I think one of the hardest things was I had to kind of cut some friends out of my life that just weren't good influences. Um, according to my parents but yeah it was just really difficult like transitioning back i would like get pulled out all the time to go to the school counselor mm. um i think i yeah i had to eat my meals with the school counselor like i couldn't even eat lunch with my peers because yeah. they were having to monitor me and make sure i wasn't like hiding food or mm-hmm. going to the bathroom afterwards so um luckily everyone was really supportive like the teachers oh my god they were so amazing like I should have failed eighth grade, but they, they passed me and they like gave me A's because they knew that I was a good student, but I just had to take care of yourself, you know, myself and my health. So, um, yeah, the transition as expected was difficult, but eventually, um, everything kind of returned to normalcy and I was really grateful for that. Yeah.
0: And your friends too. So obviously, (laughs) the eating disorders are not uncommon, you know, Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, you said you have some facts for us, but it's like a lot of people deal with them. And did any of your friends struggle too? And did they open up to you about it? Or were they also kind of like hiding what they were dealing with? Or did you notice any similar behavior patterns with your friends? Yeah. Um, so at that age, I was kind of the only one like
1: outwardly restricting and Mm -hmm. like really like in the depths of of anorexia but I did have friends that would like skip meals to look a certain way mm. or they would just like talk really badly about their bodies or they kind of like glorified anorexia they're like yeah. I don't know how you did it like you oh have so gosh. much willpower <laughs> and I'm like it's just not it's not about the food obviously yeah. so um so yeah I think when I got to high school is when I started realizing like that people had issues in yes. college too mm-hmm. like I was like okay like a lot of people are struggling with this behind closed doors and it's when you're dealing with an eating disorder it's almost like you have a radar like you could sit with someone and Uh you could be like I know you struggle you didn't eat lunch (laughs) you know and (laughs) I I know you're struggling yeah so um so that's been really interesting and and some people don't like hearing that you Mm. know some people don't like being confronted with that and so um, I've tried to just like mind my own business, but j- being a helper, I just want to be like, let me help you. Yes. Yeah. You know? It's,
0: it's hard. Um, especially when you're close with someone who you know is participating in disordered eating behaviors or patterns. It is hard to like sit back and watch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's really man. hard. Yeah. Um, so transitioning into you being a therapist, um, this, the podcast is all about, well, not all about, I keep saying that, um, I'm interested in, in diving into people's purpose mm-hmm. and their passions mm-hmm. and, and how they got to where they are. And obviously, like you, you are now a therapist and you are, are working to be a therapist and you're going to be helping people who have struggled with what you have dealt with. Um, so would you consider being a therapist to be your purpose or um, maybe some underlying, uh, what's the word? You said you like to help others. Yes. So would, would that be your purpose? Um, I don't really like to tie a job to purpose uh-huh. because I think
1: people are so much more than that. Okay. Um, but in terms of like my career purpose, I mean, I sit back almost every day and I'm like, this is literally what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Like I could not get any more passion from this career that I've gone into. I think my purpose, like why I'm here on earth, I do think is to help people and also just like normalize a bunch of different stuff. Oh yeah. Um, and so, just like educate people and normalize, like, yeah, you ha- have anxiety or you have an eating disorder, and just like normalize the idea around mental health, I think yes. is one of my big purposes. Um obviously like one day I'm gonna be a mom and you know, I wanna be married and so educating my kids to be really well versed and educated with that as well. Mm-hmm. So
0: that's amazing. Oh man. Um so educating people, how do you feel about social media and and well just social media period, but also in the you know, body image world and trying to help educate people Mm -hmm. because now there's a lot of like the body positivity movement and there's all these like infographics with like information and I love it. I, I think that side is so beautiful. Um, but yeah, how do you feel about social media?
1: Yeah. So for a while, I don't know if you remember, and this is when I was really struggling with my eating disorder in college. Um, like back in 2016, there was that fitness movement of like the Mm -hmm. fitness influencers yep, (laughs) and that's just all I saw like I would just scroll and I would just see like another at-home workout or what I eat in a day and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and so I was really starting to compare myself and I think comparison does come with social media like I'll definitely be like scrolling and I'll see a girl that I follow or that I know personally and I'm like oh my god I wish I looked like her or Mm. her life looks so just great and so I've really had to like take a step back from the comparison aspect of social media and only follow accounts that bring me joy Mm -hmm. and are good to look at. So I have had to do like a lot of cleansing, I guess you would say. Um, but yeah, social media can be like super harmful. Um, I have like a little food Instagram and I started that in 2016 or 2017 to keep me accountable in my recovery. Um, and also because I love cooking and I just like love sharing recipes cause that's mainly what it is. Mm-hmm. But, um, I was following accounts on there for a while that were just like clean eating and like that whole movement and like mm. glorifying like veganism, which, and I even went vegan, <laughs> but I did it for the wrong purpose. Like yeah. I am so supportive of people like choosing that path if they're doing it for a purpose. Yeah. But if you're doing it just to lose weight or to like look a certain way, That's what I was doing. And that's, I think what a lot of people do, like they'll replace their eating disorder with a diet like that or Mm -hmm. keto and stuff like that. So, um, really just like doing a lot of research myself, I obviously kind of fell into that trap that everyone was in on social media, like the clean eating, eating paleo, um, you know, and they, and they call it intuitive eating, which it's not, Mm -hmm. um, it's just a restrictive, it's a diet. It's a diet (laughs) period. Yeah. Like (laughs) there's nothing intuitive about like eating a salad for two meals a day. Like what? No. Um, maybe like sprinkle in some Doritos or something. I don't know. But, um, yeah. So I have just like cleansed my social media. It's something that I literally recommend everyone do if you're struggling with Mm -hmm. comparison and if you're struggling with body image and, and eating disorder and you're trying to recover, like do a cleanse. And I promise you, it's just amazing. Like your phone kind of just knows like, okay, let's like put out some more like positive body positive ads and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Cause when you're following diets, that's all you're gonna see. Yeah. So um yeah, social media is interesting, but I do like the connection, mm-hmm. you know, that it does give people. So
0: yeah. I didn't know you had a food Instagram. I don't I don't know if I've ever seen you share. Yeah. You still do it?
1: Yeah. Oh, cool. It's Allie's Good Eats. <laughs>
0: Allie's Good Eats.
1: I like that. I
0: don't have a lot of followers,
1: but I just love it. Like, yeah. If you if you love it, just
0: do it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um so the definition of intuitive eating for those who maybe just heard that word or that phrase and they have no idea, like, what, like, eating two salads a day is not intuitive eating? What do you mean? Like, what is intuitive eating? Can you give us, like, a, a definition? Ooh, yeah. um, There's a book. I forgot.
1: I don't even remember her name and I should know it because she's, like, the founder of intuitive eating, kind Rachel, of.
0: Rachel, uh... Isn't it Rachel something? I think so. That sounds familiar, (laughs) but there's like 10,
1: there's like 10 principles. And so basically I follow that like to the T pretty much. Um, but yeah, so basically intuitive eating is listening to your body and honoring your cravings, Mm -hmm. stopping when you feel full and eating when you feel hungry. So Mm -hmm. for example, um, actually intuitive eating is something I've really only started with in the past year. I think a lot of Mm -hmm. people really struggle with it because you think that you're going to be craving like all this bad stuff all the time and you're going to like gain a bunch of weight. And that's not the case. Um, for me, intuitive eating is, You know, like sometimes I feel like having a refreshing salad for lunch. I don't choose that because it's a low calorie option. I choose it because it's what I'm craving. Mm -hmm. Um, And then sometimes I'll have a side of like Cheez-Its or Doritos because Mm -hmm. those are just like my two favorite snacks. And, you know, having cheese fries for dinner instead of like chickpea pasta, (laughs) you know. So it's just like listening to your body and it just kind of goes back to like balance, like just having a very balanced lifestyle a very balanced relationship with food and just eating whatever you want kind of mm-hmm. there's no rules
0: yeah. yeah Evelyn Triboli is her name we were so off. we were so <laughs> off I know the the word the name Rachel just like came to mind um I was thinking too of have you heard of the book the fuck it diet yes okay yes. Caroline Dooner she's um, amazing she is amazing <laughs> she wow okay we can uh we can talk about that on uh on your podcast. She'll be like your
1: chickpea cookie dough. (laughs) She'll be like, stop with the bullshit with your chickpea cookie dough. Like,
0: I know that isn't good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like I love her. She's just so blunt. She's so
0: real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, intuitive eating, that's something that I've had to learn too. And also I've only really practiced in the last year or so. Mm. And even in the last few months with the holidays being so crazy, um, but just Trusting, it's like basic science with your body. You know, you are not if you are truly listening to what your body needs, you are not going to eat yourself to death, you know, and you are not going to starve yourself to death. If you are truly listening to your hunger cues and what the signals like your body is giving you. Um, I love this scale too of, of, um, one to 10, like the hunger scale. And that's something that I'm personally working on in my recovery is like, okay, how hungry am I actually? Because you know, when you have been, if you've had a habit for six years or however long, it's it t- it's going to take a very long time to break that mm-hmm. and to develop a new relationship with food. But I love what you said about educating people and normalizing people as, you know, part of your purpose, because it's so normal to not understand food. We don't learn it in school and... I like it's so frustrating that in high school and even in middle school you take maybe you take health like once right and it's not even food that's like sexual health and like (laughs) like I don't even know you don't even cover mental health but it's it's frustrating that you're just kind of thrown into the world without knowing really anything about food and it all comes down to like your parents and your family dynamics and what you've maybe watched on TV. 100%.
1: Um,
0: so like, I can't even imagine what it's like being now in middle school and high school and like struggling with the needing disorder, because I feel like we kind of, I don't want to say caught it before social media really took off, but essentially, yeah, you know, no, it's true. Um, yeah. Now I feel like everything is, uh, is, <laughs> is potentially way worse. Um, Oh, I don't see the little, Oh yeah. Okay. I see it. <laughs> I couldn't see the little red, the, our, our talky things. Um, I was going to say, uh, where was I going with that? Oh, you mentioned that your current patients are mainly in high school. Yes. Can you, without disclosing any, yeah. uh, information, mm-hmm. how is that? So
1: actually social media is a really big topic
0: for us. Mm-hmm. The
1: comparison body image. Um, I actually led a, uh, like body image and disordered eating group last semester with high school girls. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we really like dove in into like what the ideal body type is and like what the society tells us Mm -hmm. it is. And it's constantly changing, which is so frustrating. Like in the early two thousands and like the development of my eating disorder, like in 2010, it was like no curves stick Mm -hmm. thin. So like I, I've always had curves and I've always just like developed more than people my age. You know, Mm -hmm. when I was in like seventh grade, I was like, I had boobs, you know, and (laughs) most people don't, you know, and I had a butt. And so, um, you know, just talking about with them, like how this ideal body type constantly changes and you can never satisfy it. Like Mm -hmm. it's, if it's not in your genetics and you you're like if you get to that point it's because you're restricting yourself or you're over exercising it's not because you're actually like intuitively eating and taking care of yourself sorry that's the ice machine (laughs) no Um, it's okay
0: I don't even know if the mic will pick that up but if it does it's fine I think it stopped
1: (laughs) but yeah so um really working with them on how to just create a healthier relationship with food and social media and their body. I mean, it just breaks my heart. Like it's younger and younger. I feel like, Mm. um, people, you know, right now I'm doing some work at, a eating recovery center and the youngest admit they have is 11 years old. And like, that's impatient. Like it's just terrifying. And Mm. so, um, yeah, I just think like we really have to work hard and like raising our kids that it's, you have to have a healthy relationship with food Mm -hmm. and like you, it's okay if you don't look like everyone else, you can still love your body and you can still move it and exercise Mm -hmm. and do all these great things because you want to, not because you feel like you have to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Wow. 11 years old. Um, my last therapist that, or the first one that I saw when I got help for my eating disorder, she also said she was working with, with, uh, kids that age. Mm -hmm. And that's just, Ooh, that, uh, (laughs) pulls at your heartstrings a little bit. Um, So kind of leaning into how prevalent it is, I was interested if you had any facts or anything, just because I want to, you know, provide the most relevant and um, uh, informative information, informative information. Wow. English.
1: (laughs) Yes. So kind of going off of what we just talked about the age. So in the past decade, the admission rate for children with an eating disorder has risen 119%. Wow. Just think about that. So children under 12, mm-hmm. um, are getting admitted at the most, it, like, this is the highest rate we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So the hospitalization rate has gone up and that's just terrifying. Like that children are in that position. Their health is that bad at such a young age that they're literally having to get admitted to a hospital. Yeah. Um, with that, um, Anorexia is the third most common chronic illness in adolescence after, um, asthma and obesity. And it also has the highest mortality rate, um, in adolescence. So, Mm. uh, there's a, I think one eating disorder death every hour. Wow. So just like thinking about that, like every single hour someone is dying from an eating disorder. It doesn't have to be anorexia. They're dying from effects of bulimia or binge eating. Um, and it's just really scary. And mm. then also 30 million people in the U S suffer from an eating disorder. We have about, I think 300 million in the yeah. US or something like that. Like that's a pretty significant number. Yeah.
0: And that's 30 million
1: that we know of.
0: Yeah. And I can, I can count 10 people who probably have, uh, never reported that they had one and they definitely, Oh do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh,
1: wow. Yeah. Really heartbreaking statistics, but like I said, it's talking about it and normalizing mm, it yeah. and letting people know like this is super serious. Like this isn't, this should not be glorified in any way. People die all the time. Mm. Um, you know, some people that I've gone to treatment with uh, are constantly in and out of the hospital still. Uh, I know one that unfortunately passed away a few years ago from complications. So mm. it's just really, really common, Yeah, really common. And it's scary.
0: Yeah. And, and not only is it the, the possibility of death is there and it's real. Um, but living a life that is centered around food is fucking miserable and exhausting. (laughs) It's exhausting. It's miserable. And it's a way that no one should want to live. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, even if you're not, you know, on the literal, like, (laughs) like brink of death, you're still T- thinking about it every day all day mm-hmm. and that in and of itself is deteriorating to your soul and your mind and your heart um yeah those were great thank you uh thank you for sharing those. yeah of
1: course I mean you can literally just type in eating disorder facts on the internet and you get so many it's terrifying
0: yeah so um and okay so your therapy are you what what are like your therapy styles yeah Ooh, I love that um So my treatment
1: modalities right now, like my theories are centered around cognitive behavioral therapy and rational, emotive behavioral therapy. Um, So basically it is very direct. It targets on um, challenging your thoughts, your behaviors and your actions Mm -hmm. and calling out your irrational thoughts and challenging them with like evidence or whatever. Um, so actually CBT cognitive behavioral therapy is the most common type of therapy for someone that is struggling with an eating disorder Mm -hmm. because of how direct it is. So you have to change your disordered ways of thinking and challenge them into healthy ways of thinking. Um, so I really like to look at my clients as holistic. Um, so I really dive into their past, their present, and then who they want to be. Mm -hmm. And then we go from there and we come up with goals. So I'm very directive. I challenge my clients all the time. They hate it
0: That's (laughs) because I'm like, you know,
1: go do this. And they're like, what? But, um, yeah, so I'm very directive. And I honestly think for an eating disorder, that's what you need. Um, you need to kind of give them that direction and you need to guide them along the way. I also do a lot of nutrition education. So, Um, I'll help meal plan with clients. You know, I'm not a registered dietitian Mm -hmm. and I let them know that obviously. And I do encourage them to go see a dietitian, but I really like helping them figure out how to basically feed themselves. Like you're having to reteach them Mm. kind of like the basics on nutrition. Oh yeah. Um, and like incorporating healthy fats and incorporating carbs and Mm -hmm. all this stuff into your diet. Um, and then also like, really negating and, um, challenging them on calorie counting. Um, I recently, you know, I had a client that was really struggling with calorie counting and now she doesn't do it at all. And I'm just so proud of her, but Mm -hmm. it took a lot of hard work and a lot of challenging. Um, so definitely like CBT, REBT, those are my, my favorite ways to, to, to therapize people, I guess.
0: Therapize is that a <laughs> yeah. word? Yeah. So, um, Love yeah, that. I definitely
1: recommend like CBT and nutrition education for mm-hmm. someone that's seeking help for an eating disorder.
0: Yeah. And what was the other one you mentioned? Ration. Yes. What is that? REBT. I've Rational never heard of that. Rational
1: emotive behavioral therapy. That's actually my my like theory in school that I'm like currently writing about. And okay. Doing, I guess, like a dissertation on. Um, so yeah, it's kind of very similar to Cbt CBT, I use them interchangeably, but it's recognizing irrational thought patterns. I think everyone develops them as they grow up. They mm-hmm. believe these lies that they're either modeled or told. Mm-hmm. So challenging irrational thinking, um there's like the ABC, so like the activating event, the behavior that came from the event, and then the consequence. Okay. And so like, recognizing like what led up to this event like what led up to that and then what is now the consequence and how can you change that yeah so really just getting like in the nitty-gritty with them about challenging their irrational ways of thinking and coming up with new ways
0: Hmm. That's so. interesting. I haven't, I haven't heard of that. Um, it's that amazing. theory before mm-hmm. I've, I've done CBT and DBT. I don't even remember what the D stands for in DBT. dialectical behavioral therapy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I'm familiar with, but, um, DBT is awesome too. I yeah. mean,
1: it's just not my specialty. So yeah. I don't use it.
0: <laughs> um, and, and, and finding help, I really want to emphasize. So we we're talking about normalizing, normalizing these issues and these, uh, this topic, if someone is listening right now and they are struggling and they don't know where to turn to and maybe they're not ready for therapy, um, are there any like resources that they can, uh, they can find or people they can follow or books they can read? For sure. Yeah. Um, So if you're
1: in the North Texas area, um, you can go to the ELISA project, but now it's been renamed to Texas Eating Disorders Association, I believe. So T-E-D-A, um, you can go there and they can give you literally every single resource you need, help you find treatment, help you find a therapist. Mm-hmm. If that's something that you are ready for, they also just have really great resources. So I recommend following them on like Instagram and stuff like that, um, if you're not ready to go to therapy, I would definitely just reach out to someone mm-hmm. and just let them know that you're struggling. I think with an eating disorder, you need someone to keep you accountable. Yes. Um, yeah. So definitely reaching out to someone, follow more body positive accounts on Instagram, mm-hmm. Caroline Dooner from the fuck it diet. She is incredible. Um, you can even follow some therapists on, uh, Instagram as well. So I really like if you're in the North Texas area Angela Pryor, Whitney Russell, um, they post some really great things. And then, um, Dallas nutritional counseling, you can follow their account. Uh, Dr. Kelly Jameson. Let's see. I know I'm also looking up some too. I should have written them
0: down. (laughs) Um,
1: I really like just like, not, not really influencers, but people where like social media is their job. I mm-hmm. really like I am Chrissy King. She's a fitness coach, but she really encourages um, like the Hayes movement, health at every size. Um, she's a big believer in that what Mia did next, Shira Rose. I mean, there's just so many and I love that there's so many and so many resources. Mm -hmm. Um, They're amazing. So yeah, I would definitely just like follow more positive accounts on Instagram. If you're not really ready to get help yet. Um, and reach out to someone just let someone know that you're struggling you don't have to go into too much
0: detail yeah that's great I um I was gonna say definitely social media clearing it out one thing that I try and live by is like well at least with social media anyway is unfollow anyone that doesn't give you life that doesn't inspire you you know and that can even be like if you need to unfollow or mute a friend of yours because they post things that are just so you like find yourself reacting to what they post in a negative way, mm-hmm. just mute them, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you you are in control at the end of at the end of the day of the life that you live. And um it's better to live proactively and not reactively. Yes, one hundred percent. Um, I also really like uh Meek Mick <laughs> I did just say meek. Oh. Mick, yes. Yes, Mick Zazon or Mick Zazon. She's super cool. Um and then there was someone else oh man she's from toronto is it the bird's papaya oh she's really good too the bird's papaya is really good um there was another one she's from toronto i'm gonna have to like (laughs) edit myself out just like uh just scrolling (laughs) i know i can't find her dang she's really good though wait i'm gonna i'm gonna find it (laughs) i'm gonna uh, on that
1: note, though, you do have a lot more control than you think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think obviously a lot of people struggling with an eating disorder struggle with control and feeling out of control. So you do have control. I would recommend writing down the things that you are in control of. You're in charge of who you follow on social media, how you react to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're not in control of other people. So definitely keep that in mind. You you can control what you're seeing on your feed every
0: day. Yes. Yes, exactly. I can't find the other girl. That's okay. that's okay. Um, but yeah, no, that's great. I just lost my, lost my train of thought there. Um, okay. So with social media and like the whole body positivity movement, there's also haze health at every size. I re- I learned this week with my dietitian, the difference between the two. And I was kind of like surprised. I was like, Oh, There's actually a difference between the two, but yes. I would Um, kind of love to hear that
1: because I'm actually doing some research right now for a project on the health at every size movement. Okay. So I'm still educating myself on that. Um, But basically like what I think the difference is, is that body positivity is a movement Mm -hmm. and health at every size is like a social justice, like, medical professionals need to get on board. Um. God, I hate going to doctors and they're like telling you what your BMI is or they're telling you that you need to lose weight first and that's the problem. And so Mm. health at every size is like, you can be a heavier set person and weigh more, but still have a healthy life. Like I bet you a million dollars, someone that's like 250 pounds is healthier than someone that's 120 pounds, Mm -hmm. you know, based on how they live. And so really just like, ingraining in people's mind that just because someone is in a bigger body does not mean that they're eating McDonald's every day yes. because that's not the case.
0: Woo! yes. Ooh, amen dro- to that. Mic drop. <laughs> no, seriously though. Oh my God. Yeah. I actually, I went to the gynecologist the other day for my like yearly checkup and I told them straight away when I walked in, I said, please do not weigh. Yeah. I said, please do not. (laughs) If you want to weigh me, please do. I don't want to see the number. They look at you like you're crazy. But this, this lady actually was like, yeah, no problem, girl. Like it's okay. And, um, because, oh my gosh, we'll probably get into that on your podcast. But one of the most triggering things for me, I was in the midst of my eating disorder at 17 years old, about to get on birth control, or maybe it was 18, 17 or 18 about to get on birth control. And the gynecologist looked at me and she's like, Oh, you need to lose weight. Like before we can give you this certain birth control. And in my head, I'm thinking, Oh my God, I work out twice a day. Like, cause I had orthorexia. So I was Mm -hmm. obsessed with being healthy. Mm -hmm. I was like, in my brain, I am the healthiest I can be right now. Like, literally I'm the healthiest that I know how to be. And you're telling me I'm over, like you're telling me I'm overweight. Mm -hmm. Granted, I was not overweight. I was muscle weighs more than fat. And if you saw me, you would know that I was not like by her standards overweight, which, Oh my God, fuck that lady. (laughs) (laughs) No, but really like even just normalizing like health at every size. It's like also normalizing the, the conversation at the doctor's office of how's your relationship with food? you know, just like opening up the dialogue instead of just immediately assuming that because someone is like you said, like heavier set or whatever, that they're unhealthy or that they, you know, eat McDonald's every day. Like that's not the case. Like, have you asked that person what they eat every day instead of just assuming that because they are like on the heavier side or because they're on the lighter side, like what they're eating? No. Yeah.
1: I'm like a very firm believer in that everybody like if I believe in one thing it's that everybody has a set weight in their life so Mm -hmm. when you are exercising intuitively and when you are eating intuitively and you you have a balanced life your body is naturally going to fall where it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. and a lot of people hate that yes and they try to control it and you're going to fail every single time because your body knows what's best for you so for me personally I have a range um obviously I don't really know my weight. I had a slip up a couple months ago and I went to the doctor and I forgot to tell her about blind weight. And I saw it and I was like, Oh my God, I weigh that much. Cause it's the first time I saw my weight in years. Mm, Yeah. But I have a range that where I'm taking care of myself and when I'm exercising intuitively. So meaning like when I feel like exercising, I'll go exercise, but I'm not going to obsess over it. Mm -hmm. Cause I also struggled with over exercising as Mm -hmm. well. Um, so when you're doing that and when you're feeding yourself and fueling yourself and, you're having a hamburger sometimes or you're having a salad and you're just eating intuitively your body is naturally gonna tell you where it's supposed to be yes and i think a lot of providers in the medical community have a hard time swallowing that pill Mm -hmm. because guess what your 250 pound patient is probably eating kale salads yeah and like normalize that shit yeah
0: (laughs) and God, yes. I get so like yes. I'm
1: getting like just red thinking. No, about I it. get so <laughs> I get
0: so worked up too, especially because like once you have a personal experience with that. I remember I told my dietitian when I first started seeing her about that experience, and she she was like, "God, this is exact exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing because I want to reverse that. Like I want to yes. reverse um, just people in the medical field not being empathetic to health at every size." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. <Anyways>. yeah. 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 <laughs> I I mean
1: I went to a provider um kind of recently when I moved to areas and she was just so not in it. Like she mm. was just so like uneducated. School? Yeah. Very and like, you know, she was my gynecologist as well. And so um we were just talking about um like my history, because obviously she has to ask about like my mental health history and all that stuff, and i You know, let her know, like, I was hospitalized for anorexia when I was 14. And she just, like, really brushed past it Mm. and, like, told me my BMI on the spot. And I was like, bro, I literally just told you that I, like, struggle with an eating disorder. Like, why would you tell me that? So, yeah, I stopped seeing her because I was like, she is so not, like, eating disorder. She's not an advocate. She's not affirmative in that. And so, Um, whenever I like recommend clients to doctors, I'm like, okay, well we need to find you someone that is well-versed in eating disorders. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a a professional and like specialize in that, but know, know what to say, know what to do or not to do or not to do exactly. Like you need to filter yourself, like just because you have, um like a medical license does not mean you have any right to tell someone like that they need to lose weight unless it's like actually impacting their health but explore other options first because yes. there might be other reasons
0: why they're struggling exactly. hello like stress I wish we talked more about stress, stress and thyroid yes. issues. like so much stuff and emotional relationships and family mm-hmm. history and dynamic oh my god yeah there's uh there's so many more pieces to the puzzle than just your weight yeah. and your BMI. Yeah. Um, so kind of moving into this was like a note that I made um, you. Are, I wrote you are allowed to be uncomfortable in your new body. That's something that I've recently struggled with and you can probably relate to this. So I know when when you start to eat intuitively and your body is trying to find that new equilibrium, you know, that set weight of, okay, this is where I like to be. This is where I feel the happiest. You know, my heart is healthy and my joints and my muscles are healthy. Um, what do you have to say to people who are really struggling with the physical, like looking Mm -hmm. in the mirror and it's like, Oh, like my stomach is a little like bigger. Like my butt is like not as firm as it used to be. Like, what do you, what do you have to say to that?
1: Um, So the first thing I like to do is have my clients get rid of their mirrors or tape them up (laughs) from like to where you can only just see from like your chest up because body checking is so real. Mm -hmm. Like let's just normalize that for a second. I think even if you don't have an eating disorder, you probably body check, Um, you know, like lift up your shirt in the mirror or whatever. And so I would first say just like get a healthier relationship with your mirror and like tape it up or get rid of it. Um, secondly, I really like to go by how I feel in my clothes. Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously like all know I I get uncomfortable if my jeans are fitting tighter. So go buy new clothes. Like it's fine to go up a couple sizes. And I think so many people, you know, at our age now, like I'm 25 and, People that are my age of 25, they're like, oh my God, I wish I had my body like that I had when I was 18. I'm like, dude, you're supposed to change. Like, you know, you're not supposed to have that same weight. And that's something I've struggled with too is like my body composition when I was a teenager is a lot different like than it is now. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, for example, like I tend to gain weight in my stomach now, whereas before I would never gain weight in my stomach. Mm -hmm. And so. Just like being okay and knowing that like your body is allowed to change. Um, and if you're uncomfortable, get rid of the mirror, get new clothes and just think about how much better you feel, Mm -hmm. you know, think about like the health benefits that come from taking care of yourself
0: and give yourself some grace too. You know, like there's, we live in a, in a world that shame where shame is kind of the center of attention and, and. Companies thrive on shaming you. You know, uh, <laughs> social media thrives on shaming you, whether you know it or not. You are a victim to shame, mm-hmm. and allowing yourself to, yeah, just giving yourself grace and um, it is okay if you do feel uncomfortable because you are in a much better mindset now, and um, your relationship with food is probably way better yes. than than where it used to be. Um, so I already asked that. <laughs> Um, Oh, if you weren't going to be a therapist, what would you be doing?
1: (laughs) I had someone ask me this the other day, and honestly... I'd be like a nurse or a teacher, just like somewhere in the helping profession. When I was younger, I wanted to be a vet Mm -hmm. for a while. I wanted to be an attorney. Uh, I'm like so bad at confrontation. So I don't think that would work out very well Mm -hmm. for me, Um, but definitely something in the helping profession just because I like helping people. So I literally cannot imagine myself doing anything else, though. Like I can't even think about like sitting behind a desk working a nine to five. Like what? Oh, hey, <laughs> no, I'm, <kidding. laughs> I'm not. Yeah. No, no shame. No, no. If that's no, what you that's do, so no good. shame. But for me personally, yeah. that just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, it's just not
0: something I'm passionate about. So. I'm also very against like, I think nine to five doesn't work for most people. And I think we've just kind of normalized it and we shouldn't have but that's capitalism anyways. Yeah. That's a whole nother topic. (laughs) That's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But okay. So where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 ish years? Ooh, that's a great question. I know. Oh wait, I know like, so your podcast, I listened to that episode where you like wrote down, I love that by the way. It is so cool. So, so
1: basically what Bridget is talking about is, um, I did like a new year's uh, intentions podcast where I kind of normalized just like really getting down to the nitty gritty and detailing where you see yourself in five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. Like where are you waking up? What color are your sheets? What candle do you have burning in the house? What are you eating for breakfast? Do you have a husband? Do you have kids? Like all that stuff. So um, I just like go, I live by that. Like I I, I'm always thinking about my future self mm-hmm. and like what I want to do and where I see myself. So I guess in the next like five to ten years, obviously I will be a licensed, like fully licensed therapist. Um, I see myself kind of working somewhere like where I'm at now, kind of more in like a clinical setting rather than private practice. I see myself mainly seeing eating disorder clients because that's obviously my specialty. Um I see myself maybe writing a book. I would love to do that. Um, and yeah, like just taking care of myself, you know, in terms of like my recovery, continuing intuitive eating. Um, and I hope in the next five to 10 years I'm married and have kids. So Mm -hmm. we'll just kind of see where that takes me, but definitely going to focus on like building my career. And I definitely want to be like a really good referral in the area for eating disorder treatment. Um, I kind of want to get my name out there um, because I do think that it's much, much needed, especially in this area. There's not enough therapists that specialize in eating disorders. So You live in suburbia
0: or used to, I don't live here anymore. Yeah. (laughs) I'm proud to say I'm an ex Frisco, Texas uh, resident. Uh, Yeah. But that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, Man, I forgot to ask you this earlier, but it's okay. I can ask you now. So the line of work that you are in can be very draining. Mm. And you mentioned um, before we started that you like to switch off and numb your brain after you've <laughs> seen a, a round of, uh, of, of kids or people, sorry, patients, whatever you call them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, how do you kind of make sure that your own mental health is in check and uh, you stay mind body balanced?
1: Yeah. So, for me, um, obviously, being a therapist is so incredibly draining. Um, you're dealing with a lot, you're processing a lot of trauma, a lot of emotions. Mm -hmm. And so you're physically and emotionally exhausted by the end of the day. So, um, I'm a big reality TV junkie. I love the real Mm -hmm. housewives. So I'll go home and I'll watch the real housewives. And it's just a good way for me to like not think. Mm -hmm. Um, and then usually like an hour before bedtime, I, you know, like do my little nighttime routine. I do some self care. So whether that's like doing a skincare routine or showering, I'm kind of basic. I like a good bubble bath every once in a while. Um, And then I usually just start reading. So um, sometimes I'll do like a little bit of yoga and just like stretch. Um, But yeah, I like to just kind of just disconnect after I see clients. Mm -hmm. I think if you go straight from seeing clients to like doing research about something, like it's going to fester and you're going to be thinking about your clients all the time and that's not healthy. Yeah. So I really like to just keep my work and my life separate. Um, Love what I do does not mean I don't love what I do, Mm -hmm. but I am like very strict. It's a strict boundary that I have is I don't like to bring work home and I don't want to bring home to work. So
0: that's good. Yeah, that's very good. I Um, think a lot more people need that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really hard to switch off when you're Mm -hmm. in a field like that. And, and for anyone who's just being overworked, you know, like I, my graphic designer at work Oh my gosh! They tell me that they work eighty hours a week, and I'm like, "What? Where's your how, life? Where? Where are the? Are you a person? How many hours are in a week? Actually, because it looks like that's kind of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man, yeah, finding that balance is super important. Yes. Um, so the last thing I want to ask you, I ask everyone this. It's kind of like I don't know. My thing, but what are three things you're grateful for off the top Ooh, of your head?
1: Yes, I am grateful for my dog, Zara. I don't know where she is. She's but sitting she, on that chair. I was going to tell you, I don't know if she can be sitting on that No, chair. she's fine. Um, <laughs> she is just precious. I love her. She's the best. Um I am grateful for this is kind of random, but essential oils. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just like put on some lavender before this and I just love mm. like I don't know, just the aroma. I'm a big smells person. Yeah. So I like candles and all that stuff. Um and I'm also grateful for my support system and just like people in my life. Um I'm really grateful for the relationships that I have. So mm-hmm.
0: Yay. That's so good. Oh man. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Uh, this is super fun and you know, I'm going to, I'm going to plug your, your podcast at the beginning of this episode, but, um, Ali does have a, her own podcast and it's called mind body balanced. And you can find that on Spotify. Yep. All, all of them or just Spotify? I think just Spotify and Anchor okay. right now. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, well, thank you so much for listening if you are here with us. And I will see you next week. Thanks for having me. <laughs>